We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 AT&T, Pebble Beach, Pro-Am, Picks, First Look, and Research, all research coming care of FantasyNational.com. If you are not a member at FantasyNational.com, shame on you, but you can rectify that. Very easy to do. Plus, you can get yourself 20% off at the same time by going to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. The visualizations that you see when I'm doing my research today are all from FantasyNational.com. So you can go do your own at the same time when you are a member. Remember to smash the like button to the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Sub to the newsletter down in the description and in the comment section. Give me your first click. Who's your first guy that you are thinking of that is going to win this week at the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach? I want to hear it from you guys because it's a tough one. We'll get into why here in a second, but now, anyway, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, I do want to remind everyone to play in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League. The link is not available as of the time of this recording, so it will not be available in the audio podcast, but when it does become available, I will add it to the video. Of course, it will be available when I do the show with Jeff on Monday or the show on Tuesday with Raza. Good crew. This week, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, It was a week of homecomings for a lot of us. Obviously, Luke List wins. Uh, that is fantastic news. Uh, finally hit a winner, but finally Luke List wins. I, I felt like I should have been there next to him, hugging his family along with him. That was just terrific to see. Um, I had, I mean, obviously I had Zalatoris and List, so from a betting perspective, didn't really care who won. Zalatoris actually would have been more profitable because I didn't have the each way on him. I did on List, so I would have got a win and a top five from both those guys rather than just the win and the top five from just Luke List. I'm not going to complain, though. I would trade it in every day of the week just to see my guy Luke List break through. And over on the Corn Ferry Tour, Roz's guy, Brandon Harkins, ends up with the win. He hasn't played in a regular PGA Tour event since 2019 Wyndham's Championship. Now he's back. He's going to be in the field this week. Two top 30 finishes in his two career starts at Pebble Tour, at least his last two starts at Pebble Beach. So I'm sure Raza and I will break that down. Jeff and I will have a full recap of the Farmers on Monday show. I don't want to get into it too much, but hey, I like this Wednesday through Saturday stuff. It was fantastic. I don't want to see it for majors or anything like that, but at least while football is going on Wednesday through Saturday, I can dig that for sure. Like I'm not really into college football, so it's not like college football is taking my eyes away. And the arguments that I've heard about it, I I can get it from a ticket selling perspective that you'd want both weekend with more people available. But do they really care about that? No, what they really care about. I mean, they just, PGA made a huge profit last year and half the tournaments couldn't even, or two years ago, and they couldn't even have spectators at the event. So the the gate isn't really killing them. It's all about what's going on in terms of the ratings. And I 
would think that although the Wednesday ratings would be very low, I would think that not going up against college football and the NFL, taking one of those off the board would probably be a pretty smart place to start uh, if you're the PGA Tour because you're not winning that battle. And I'm curious to see what the rankings are going to ratings are going to be for the Saturday round at the Farmers because it was a great round. At one point, there was like 17 guys within two strokes. Uh, it was just me pacing around. I felt like Feinberg. The amount of pacing I did for like seven straight hours. I had to call it quits, go shovel my driveway like three times because we got hit with a storm. The same one that hit Boston hit us. That wasn't great news. I had to figure out a new station to watch the golf on, and I didn't want to come off as prickly, but I will say this. When I asked what station had the golf coverage on it, because my local affiliate in Boston for CBS was just doing storm watch, as if no one's ever been in a storm before. Like, what are you, snow rookies? Come on. Come on, snow happens. Even in Boston, I hate to tell you, you know, this happens like once a year. So we don't need like dedicated nine-hour live coverage of a fucking snowstorm. Sorry about that. But at the same time, everyone's like, well, you can just stream it. Yeah, I know I can stream it. I have the streaming pass. The problem is I want to be making my bets in real time if I have to hedge. If something pops up and an odd I don't like, I'm like 45 to a minute behind in terms of seconds uh, when I'm watching the stream. There's a reason I have cable. It's only to watch sports. That's why I was looking for the actual TV feed. And I found it on some like jabroni Boston network, some CBS like minor affiliate. My 38. Sounds great. I guess they weren't really sweating uh, moving the golf over I mean, unless those people really needed to watch their reruns of Everyone Loves Raymond. Speaking of which, we're going to have Ray Romano. That was that was like a cuss level impression. <clears throat> Ray Romano. <clears throat> I used to be able to do it pretty well. I'll work on that for Monday's show. How about that? My Ray Romano impression because he's in the field at Pebble Beach. Oh, God, this tournament sucks so much. But it doesn't mean we can't win money on it and we can go over it. Let's talk about the field this week at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Of course, we have all the celebrities, and that's really kind of pushing the envelope here. Uh, but in terms of the field, the strength is way down. The field in Saudi this week uh, is going to be way better than the field at Pebble Beach. Uh, obviously, Pebble has taken this spot on the calendar where the Super Bowl used to be and pushed Phoenix to a week from now because Phoenix really wanted to be going down with the ship with the Super Bowl. It's a part of the atmosphere at Phoenix. You you watch Phoenix, you finish it up, it's a party, then you go to your Super Bowl party. Uh, and the ratings kind of dictate that. Pebble deserves better than this, put it that way. Uh, there's a god-awful tournament, and there's a reason that f so few of the stars actually end up coming to play. The rounds are like eight hours long because of the Pro-Am, which like makes it the day Jason Day special. That's like his preferred pace of play, as we saw in that final group at the Farmers. Like, hurry the fuck up, man. Like, come on. Uh, and then he tried to rip my heart out by draining that eagle from the middle of the fairway, and I thought it was all going down because I had no Jason Day money. And the fact that he didn't make that eight-footer for power, I was like, oh, my God, I fully expected him to make that. Whereas, like, I sweated every Zalatoris three-foot putt, which, frankly, so was the broadcast. I've never heard a broadcast team do that in my life. You could hear Faldo just being like, <gasps> every time that he hit it. And, like, the audible gasp when it went in. He just, you got to fix that. It's funny because Zalatoris isn't a bad mid-range putter. Like, when he made that run at the Masters a few years ago, he led the field in strokes game putting because he was making like 30 footers. Even we saw him last week at the American Express when he shot that 10 under round. It's like cut to Zalatoris from 38 feet in money, water. Don't worry about it. But apparently within like five feet, the, the guy basically turns into Luke List. And the issue for him on, I mean, I, I didn't mind his strategy on the back nine on Sunday. I actually thought it was pretty good because he knew where List was. He could see the leaderboard. He could see what was going on. Essentially, he was just like, let me hit it to 40 feet to putt. His lag putting is excellent. He put everything basically in the three foot window, uh, no matter where he was on the green. Like he really had no knee knockers for pars at any point. So when you're the leader and you're protecting a lead, I think it's a pretty smart way to play. You're not putting yourself in any danger you're not going to give up any strokes to the field but usually he makes one or two of those like 21 footers or 30 footers or 17 footers whatever it may be and they just did not drop and you can see he burned what five edges in the final round so you know it was unfortunate for him he probably should have won that tournament and then you have Luke List uh, we always said that whenever Luke List would win it would be I mean we round one at the south course he gained four strokes putting which was just an anomaly but we even saw it in the final round he went six under he gained like 0.4 strokes putting that's all he ever really needed to do he just couldn't lose three in a round on the green like he normally does and boom team no putt turns into team kind of putt and you have your first ever pga tour win it's, it's great to see like i said i wish, wish i was there with the gang just put my arm around lucas so proud of the guy 
Now we get to see him at a guest. He gets to sleep in his own bed at the Masters. Luke List, Masters winner? No, that's probably not going to happen. But he has the right game for it. If he could, like, if this putting is real, because he's been working with a putting coach, and he's like not an abject failure anymore. I mean, Torrey Pines winning this event at the Farmers. You know, a lot of former Masters winners and you know, guys that consistently play well at the Masters are all guys that have won at Tory in the past. So, I mean, put Luke List, not necessarily on the short list to win, but as, like, top debutant. I think he's a debutant. Now, he would have played it, but he must have played it. I mean, now i got to look up Luke List. Of course, he's not in the field at Pebble, so having that pulled up, it just, like, Corey Connors always ends up playing well. Like, he's a disastrous putter, and he can't chip whatsoever, but at least Luke List can chip. It really did save him uh, when he ended up, you know, jarring it. Yeah, the Masters tied for 33rd in 2005? Oh, my God. It's been a while for old Luke List. Uh, 17 years in the making of his return. I assume he was an am at that point. Uh, either way, um, he should be plenty familiar with the, the grass types at, at the Masters. I don't want to get too much into that. Here's the field uh, at the... Uh, I'm going to redo that time code um, and make sure that's okay for everyone. So, yeah, everyone good is playing in Saudi, realistically, like Dustin's over there, Hovland's over there. Essentially, everyone who played the Middle Eastern swing is going over. So this week, we have the defending champ, Berger, is in the field. Cantlay's back, Spieth is back. So we recall those three guys, plus nasty Nate Lashley from a year ago in the final group. Zalatoris and Seamus Power, Justin Rose, and don't look now, but here comes Jason Day playing some good golf once again. Former winner of this event, too. So that's like the very top of the field. That is not awe-inspiring in the least uh, when it comes to field strength. After that, you have Matthew Fitzpatrick making his first start anywhere in the world. This week, he's like Carmen Sandiego, and the answer is Pebble Beach, where he's going to play first min. Woo! Lee gets off from making his PGA debut this week, top 50 in the world. We'll see him at all, at least we'll see him at uh, the players. We'll see him at the match play. We'll see him at Augusta. So the winner of last year's Scottish Open is here. He was T35 in Abu Dhabi two weeks ago. He took the week off, and now he's coming to play Pebble Beach. And then we have the Burmista Mista lady, Dean Burmeester, playing in his first non-major, non-WGC PGA Tour event since the 2016 Puerto Rico Open. Uh, he's played the last two weeks over in the Middle East, had a T55 and a T21, or sorry, T25. T25 two weeks ago in Abu Dhabi. He was T55 over the weekend where Rory imploded on the final hole, and Vic beat Bland in the playoff. That was nice to wake up on Sunday morning to have a bit more golf to go through. I didn't have any action on it, but it was still fun to watch. I was, I was actually rooting for Rory. It's nice to see Hovland pick up another win. That's two Euro wins for him as he won in Germany a year ago, too. He has the Hero win. He has the Mayakoba win. So that's four wins in, geez, the last seven months for Hovland. He's up to number three in the world rankings. Pretty good scene for old big dick Vic finally coming through on that promise. Uh, other guys in the field, you have like Mav McNeely. Mav McNeely is going to be a super popular play this week, obviously. Mac Hughes, Tom Hoagie, uh, Mito Pereira, Aaron Rye, Bezadenhout, Cameron Tringali, Lonto Griffin, Joel Damon, Ryan Palmer, Brant Snedeker, Lucas Glover, Chris Kirk. Cameron Champ is back in the field, so... Cameron Champ, if you go look at his numbers from last week at Torrey, I think he ended up losing like four strokes putting or something ridiculous like that. And I'm pretty sure it was all of his negative in terms of strokes game putting last week all came at whatever the first hole was of the day, whether it was one or 10. He like three putted one of the greens. I think he four putted one of the days. Like it was ridiculous. The starts that he was getting off to uh, did not expect that. In the least. No Phil this year at Pebble Beach either. I guess uh, his buddies from KPMG didn't want to fork out the 40K in order for him to play this year. So, yeah. Guess we don't need to see Phil. He won his before his win at the PGA Championship. Pebble Beach was the site of his previous win before that. Let's jump over to FantasyNational.com, though, and check out the courses for the week, because there are three of them. Yeah, they canceled the Pro-Am last year. They canceled Monterey Peninsula, and it was actually entirely more watchable on the television feed, because I didn't have to get serenaded by the hell is that guy's name? Jake Owen, or Clive Owen, or whatever the hell that country guy's name is. Jake Owen, that's most definitely his name. I didn't have to hear stand-up from Larry the Cable Guy. Konica Minolta Vision was not required for Macklemore's swing for me last year. Didn't have to suffer through any of that, but that's back this year. Oh, I can't wait for Saturday. Uh, there's like no shot link. There's no shot link at Monterey Peninsula or Spyglass Hill. There's ba basically one camera there as well. Probably going to follow around some of the leaders. So let's talk about Pebble Beach, because that's one where we have all of our strokes gained data from 
Uh, it's a bit lengthier this time around. Um, actually, no, it's actually down from last year. 6,972 yards. Poana Greens. Ah, finally, it occurred to me that it's not too early in the morning for me to figure out how to say it. It's going to be called Poa from now on, now that I nailed it coming out of the gates. Par 72. It is, listen, it could play as easy as the other two courses, but it could play way harder. It all depends on the wind that day. It's not a hard course by and large. Uh, you can see that the eagle rate is only high on number six. If I was going to stack for DraftKings Showdown, it probably wouldn't be at Pebble Beach if I was going to do a course stack, but you could theoretically make an argument that you you want to course stack each of the three courses and divvy up your lineups that way because you guys go low at pebble beach it's it's sort of like the south course uh, at the amex if you uh, not south course the stadium course at the amex a few weeks ago is that if you catch the south core or the stadium fucking losing my mind over here South course, stadium course, the stadium course, the Pete Dye track at the American Express. I mean, it can play just as easy as the other two. It's just historically the scoring average is a little bit lower because there's more punitive damage for you. And there is the same at Pebble Beach. Uh, although you could see the top four on the leaderboard. It's not like last week where if you weren't stacking the North course, you were just a complete moron. I don't know what you were doing. Uh, after day one, I think it was like 47 of the top 55 guys all played the North course. So like there's a dis distinctive split between those two. Uh, between these three, not as much. Like, listen, none of them are overly hard. They could play hard. Spyglass is protect protected by trees. So if it does become super windy, that's usually the place you want to go to. Although uh, Pebble, by the way, has the smallest greens on the PGA Tour, 3,500 square feet. All of these are below average. Spyglass is around 5,000. And Monterey Peninsula is around 6,000. But you can see the eagle rates for some of these. We have some doubled up numbers here. Uh, just based off of some of the changes over the years. I'll get Moose to clean that up before we go through it, but Spyglass plays as a 7,041-yard course, par 72, uh, and you can see with the eagle rates that are up there. Uh, even have a, you have two of them where you can really attack from that end. Hole number 7 and hole number 11 is the way that we're going through it, and then we have Monterey Peninsula converted to a par 71, uh, getting rid of the, it had five par 3s and five par 4s, there are only four par fours. Number 18 was converted into a par four uh, a few years back when we saw it. Where's Monterey Peninsula at? I mean, Monterey Peninsula is probably the one that you want to go after. But like I said, you can kind of make a case for anything. I have to get, do I have to get most to clean this one up too? This one actually looks pretty good. How is the eagle rate for this? Yeah. So 16 and 10 both have over a 4% eagle rate. Like you can just pile off DraftKings points so well when it comes down to that. Like especially in showdown when eagles are worth so much more. Uh, just giving yourself more outs in that regard is pretty huge. Uh, starting on number 10, uh, it's no real difference. Although, you know, you can see that 7, 8, and 9 at Monterey are the toughest of the bunch. They all play over par. Uh, number 1 plays over par, and so does number, uh, I guess, the new number 18. As you can see, that's no longer a par 5. The number 18 is the par 4. 18th, which is 381 yards, uh, plays to a scoring average of 4.1 from what we've seen. But we just look at birdie rates and eagle rates. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the old number. It's not 100% birdie rate. But uh, all the par fives play significantly below par. Two of them you can reach into, make pretty easy eagles, and that's available for almost all of the players in the field. Let's take a look at last year's results and i don't know how much this is necessarily going to correlate only because it's a lot like the american express last year where we dropped la quinta from the course rotation because there was no pro-am and we got to play three rounds at the stadium course uh because of covid regulations it obviously switched back to the three courses last year or this year the same thing with pebble beach we dropped monterey peninsula from the fold uh and now i mean we got a pretty good result at the top like those are some names at the top that we can go with daniel how's your birthday ended up winning i recall when patrick cantley was 10 under after the first round and everyone thought oh there's no way that patrick cantley could lose guess what he didn't win same as last week oh, there's no way that john rum could lose oh like it's so hard to close out tournaments i feel like people forget that and yeah i think if you run the simulation like a hundred times from sunday rom probably wins like 33 percent of the time which is an absolutely astonishing rate like he played like absolute trash sunday or sorry saturday at tory pines and he still almost won uh and that was like a c minus performance from john rom if he just has his regular like c plus performance 
he likely walks away the winner probably without a playoff at that. So, I mean, that's the reason why the guy is the number one in the world. But big favorites, even in golf, weird stuff happens. There's a reason that these guys, unless you're like comparing anyone to Tiger is so ridiculous. And I think that Tiger has really skewed this for everyone because of the dominant win rate that he had. No one else has had that in the history of golf. Uh, at least, I mean, I guess Sam Sneed like 70 years ago, but like Tiger is such an outlier comparing anyone to the results that he has is stupid. And it's not indicative of what's actually going on. It's like when you look at Rory the past few weeks over in the Middle East, like, yeah, he didn't close both times. Should have closed. And you know what? The good players put themselves into contention more often, and you notice it when they don't win because they're always there, and it feels like they're constantly gagging it away. The issue is that it's just really hard to win in any golf tournament, especially at this level with the fields being so deep right now in terms of talent. Like you have one off day, one bad thing doesn't go right, and boom. All of a sudden, you're not winning. You're T3. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about Rom, by the way. He's still, like, very clearly, he's the best player in the world right now. And there's no real debate on that, just based on the dominant performances he has week after week. It's just funny that he hasn't won since the U.S. Open. It's kind of astonishing, to tell you the truth. I think since that win, I, I think it was Daniel Rappaport tweeted it. I think it was him. But, like, 35 guys have finished ahead of John Rom in the past 12 tournaments. So he's there every single week. He's just not closing it up. The wins are going to flood in for him um you know he's gonna average like two to three per year which is a huge amount uh just go back and look at the amount of wins that people have over the course of their career if you get like two to three maybe pick up one with like four or five you're gonna like go to the hall of fame so not everyone's a hall of fame golfer especially every single year outside of a very select few so last year was the burger uh mcneely was in second cantley spieth and my guy nasty nate lashley had a big bet on nasty nate last year and then he got forget what hole it is. It was whatever the part three was on the back when he got trapped in the bunker, then three putted. And it was like, oh, there's the end of him. At least he had the good idea to finish inside the top five to cash a really big each way. I really liked Nate Lashley last year. So let's just go to the tournament itself. Let's go to 2021 and again these are just from pebble beach they do not include spyglass last year but we did have three rounds last year from uh from pebble beach so it's a bit more information than we're usually used to having uh let's see oh scott harrington was not good neither was joel damon the goonies jim konos phil mickelson all bad a year ago strokes and approach leader shez Reeve, cantley matthew neesmith coming off a pretty decent week uh, at tory pines Knox, Harmon, like these are, the, this is the course with the shortest drives on the PGA Tour. Accuracy and wedges are really where you want to go. We'll get to that in a little bit as we go through the statistical model. Uh, let's see. Oh, Kyle Stanley gained 3.2 on approach, lost 3.4 putting. <laughs> it's like every other week. Good for him. Uh, Tringali, Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson playing some good golf. That was actually one of the better shoutouts that I had on the DraftKings show this week is that he was, don't use Michael Thompson at the Amex when he was chalked. Go back to Michael Thompson because he had, what, like one really horrendous round and then one really not good round at the American Express. But like he's he's Michael Thompson. He's not the most consistent golfer on the PGA Tour. Had some flash some results at Torrey uh, in his history as well. So go back to him. And then all of a sudden he has a good week and he's 1% owned. Uh, that's usually the way that you want to play these like lower tier chalk guys by and large. Although, listen, list was chalk last week and he won so although he's more of the mid-tier not necessarily the lower tier where you would think of michael thompson at least when it comes in, in terms of pricing it's funny looking at this leaderboard like you have tringali up there you have spieth up there reminds me a lot of that tournament the spieth won last year the valero texas open so if we go click on that, I know I said that was more of a comp for American Express, but just seeing a few of these names, you have Spieth up there. Tringali was leading, I think, after three rounds and absolutely blew up. Where'd he end up finishing ninth? Yeah, 73-72 on the weekend. Snedeker's obviously won at Pebble Beach in the past. This does really feel like a Chris Kirk week. Gary Woodland won the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Uh, so there are names that you can see popping up here. Ricky's made some decent runs in the past. KH Lee, we'll see. See, woo, Kim, he made a run uh, a few years back at Pebble Beach. I believe that was the Phil year. One of the better weeks I've ever had on DraftKings was that Phil Casey year with Siwoo because I had them all in the same lineup, and I think they were all inside the top five. Oh, Matthew Neesmith actually performed pretty well there, too. Cameron Champ, uh, T34, we'll, we'll talk about him here in a second. Um, I don't know if I really want to go to Cameron Champ, but he's kind of becoming Luke Listy in that way that if he does have that week where it does come through for him, like, he's going to win. He's just, he's he can close, uh, unlike a lot of these guys on the PGA Tour. That's why he already has two wins so far 
Jaguar in his short career. He has a lot of WDs and a lot of last places at the same time. Furyk's interesting because he played well at the Amex a few weeks ago. This is still a course where, you know, he can contend. Uh, let's go back and look at two years ago, though. And when we had the three-course rotation, 2020, uh, Nick Taylor ends up being the winner, a wire-to-wire -wire winner for Nick Taylor, the Canadian. Uh, you know, putted the lights out throughout the course of the week, and you're going to need that here. You're going to have to, like, it's going to be pretty low scoring, so you're going to have to make a decent amount of your putts. With these small greens, you're going to have to play well around the greens, as you can see. Off the tee matters a little bit less here uh, because you can make it. You don't necessarily need all the distance. You can make it up through driving accuracy if you want to. We saw guys last year play out of the rough, no problem. It's an approach around the green and mainly putting week. Um, I mean, that's like a lot of these score fests, uh, as we saw last week. Like it was driving distance along iron heavy. And when I ran that driving distance, driving distance and um, like, 175 plus approach model like it, it gave me list rom and zalatoris so that's just the way that it was gonna have to go i suppose uh, that's the way that you want to play it and even uh, even some of the other bombers like pendrith and cameron young which i wasn't on either of them last week but is really real kicking the nuts because i was on both of them last year at the tory pines u.s open and didn't even think to go back to them and i think they both missed the cut at the at the u.s open but obviously in a bit easier conditions they were able to come through a little bit uh so that year let's see spieth still led an approach i have a, a little spieth bit to go into here um because he was ander cursed last week then got sent to the hospital with stomach pains on after the first round so i don't know if we really want to look too much into it and don't forget like he was god awful at farmers last year as well and then the next week in phoenix his entire year turned around he started reeling off finish after finish after finish uh going through it and i, I have a bit of info on jordan spieth uh, whether you want to be for him or against him this week i, I suppose that you can kind of put in hey there's charles schwartz old chuck schwartz will popping up tpj obviously that was one of my bigger hits ever a uh, nice nice in game that's one thing you can find here when everyone is playing the course on saturday generally speaking like all your good players are going to be playing pebble beach on saturday so they'll have the saturday and sunday rounds at pebble beach they do that for tv purposes so you have spieth and cantley and names that people actually know playing saturday on the cbs broadcast uh so you know you don't have kelly craft and austin smotherman out there and people are going who the hell are these guys no you have the names that you want it's it's made it's a made for tv event therefore the guys that you want to see on tv are actually going to be on tv that does mean however that the books are usually a little bit slow to react to what happens at spyglass and monterey because it's twofold one there's no shot link data so you have to kind of interpret what you see if guys are going on runs when the easy holes are going up is that somewhat sustainable and you can back check uh, how they performed at Pebble earlier on in the week, whether it's, you know, is it going to be, because you're not going to know whether it's a, um, they're doing it all with putting or the irons are super hot. Maybe that shot link data from Pebble can tell you a little bit of information, but the books are also slow to react because it's usually a bunch of jabronis who are making runs. And that's where I caught TPJ a few years ago. I think he made like seven birdies in a row uh, and he started pulling into the lead. Now, obviously Dustin and Phil and Day and I think Rose were all up near the top of the leaderboard, but they were still posting a guy who was currently winning the tournament like 125 to one. I was like, yeah, it's worth 10 bucks. Why not? Uh, and you know, it's, it saved me. It, he ended up winning. <laughs> it left everyone else in the lurch. At least I had that out. And he, watching him outperform DJ on Sunday was the weirdest thing in the world. I think that was the year where, where Wayne had to withdraw due to being hungover on Sunday. Uh, so I don't think that DJ actually had a celeb partner going into it so that's what's happened in the past few years we can go back to tournament history one more time and just take a look at who has performed the best at this tournament over the years day streelman spieth stallings and nick taylor are up near the top for you shez cantley Berger, mcneely knox and piercy have also played pretty well neesmith two top 20s the past two years in his first two ever starts let's talk about my guy brandon harkins or actually Roz's boy brandon harkins two events ever in his career both top 30s coming off a win on the corn fairy tour matt jones has played pretty well here in the past brian gay has made the cut each of the past five years like if you're old and can putt like you're still live at this tournament uh the glove uh top 10 in the t50 the glove's been playing some good golf man like really good i hope he kind of flies under the radar this week i liked him at the amex he made a run had a really bad sunday you know you 
that, that happens. Uh, he ended up T33. I believe he was top 10 going into the final round, though. Fifth at Sony. Uh, had a bad century, but you know that's when he's up against the best players in the world. And he lost eight strokes putting and five strokes on approach, then led all players at the Sony. This has more in common with the Sony and the Amex than it does at the century. So uh, I'd be willing to go back to the well, I think, with Lucas Glover if the number is actually correct. Nasty Nate uh, ended up putting up the top five. That was after a really nice ball-striking performance in Phoenix where he could not make a putt for the life of him. That's why I ended up on him last week. I could see, I mean, list just broke through. This could be the week Tringali finally breaks through. Obviously, he's playing good golf right now. His number is going to be shit, but that's just what happens. We guess the odds at the end. He's probably going to be like, anyway, he's going to be 28 or 35 to one. That's where I would guess that he opens at. Uh, Chuck Hoffman, apparently we're going to see him for the first time this year. He's already pulled out of two tournaments so far. I don't know if it's been a COVID thing, a restriction thing, a back problem. You don't get this sort of information when it comes down uh, to everything. Oh, Kevin Kisner's in the field. I didn't even realize that. Kisner could play really well here. We'll get into why I like Matt Kuchar this week. Um, That just seems like a fun way to waste your money, right? Old guy who can still putt. Kuchar's been okay. Honest to God, uh, seventh at the Sony, kind of putting it together. Yeah, I was making some cuts, and you know he's inconsistent these days. Uh, but when you take a look at his, what is he? How, what's he done at the AT and T Pebble Beach? Made the cut the last three turns here. Did not play in this event a year ago. Has uh, a top ten in the past. It was in two thousand seven, so that's pretty meaningless. But for the the state of his game right now, if he's ever going to make another charge, he made a charge at Sony. Obviously, the T7, uh, he was in the mix for most of that tournament. He's been playing some pretty consistent golf. Top 40s and one, two, three, four, five of his past five starts. Like At this point of his career, that's not bad. And these are the tournaments where he's going to have to come through. Sony, Pebble, Amex, RSM, Mayakoba, the Wyndham. Where's Heritage on here? Is he still okay there? Even at the Valero from last year, the one I just pointed to, there's Cooch. T12, Heritage, uh, T18. It's got to be a short course for him. It's where he can put his wedges to good use uh, and hopefully drain a few putts. And listen, the putting's pretty good. Uh, even on POA, he's gaining 0.35 strokes per round. So Matt Kuchar, uh, again, all of this is going to be price dependent. And hopefully the presence of Cantlay and Berger in Spieth and now Will Zalatoris coming off a really nice week. Uh, Day coming off a nice week. Rose coming off a nice week. Hopefully that really pushes down the people at the very bottom because when we really think about it take a look at the past six winners of this event uh, we talked about a few weeks ago the long shots that come through at the american express and there's been a ton of them and that's why we kept pointing to it and what does that have to do with it? we don't know is it field strength is it a three-course rotation is it because there's a pro-am involved I have no idea why that's the case. I'm guessing it's some sort of combination of the both. And because it's a pro-am, and I mean, Rom kind of said it, this is a putting contest. And when it turns into a putting contest, all bets are off. You you still need to ball strike pretty well. The irons have to be good. You need an element of luck. But if you're the one who's riding the hot putter that week, you can potentially win any of those tournaments. And this tournament is kind of the middle between it. And maybe it's because Pebble plays a bit more historic and i i really don't know what the reason is because the past six winners we've seen three guys in triple digits end up winning like von taylor was like 200 to one ted potter was like 500 to one and nick taylor was 125 to one but on the other side of the coin you have three guys below 30 to one who have all won phil won at 28 to one spieth won at like 16 to 1, I think that it was. And then Berger won last year, like 14 to 1, after Dustin Johnson withdrew. Now, obviously, a lot like last year when Siwoo ended up winning at the American Express, and you saw a lot of the big names at the top of the leaderboard, they cut down on the three course rotation. There was only two, and there was no pro am. Same as last year with Berger here, and we saw all the best names at the very top of the leaderboard. Now, generally speaking, because course history has played a pretty good factor at Pebble Beach in the past, that we have seen guys that historically perform well at this course perform well year in year in year over year whether it's that they're comfortable playing in the pro-am setting they're just very familiar with these greens uh because it's a shorter course where putting matters and like wedges matter guys are consistently good at that and some of the lesser players on the pga tour talent wise that is could potentially be good at those like someone like furick or someone like brian gay they still possess that one skill set and where driving distance means so little at this event that they can make up for that if they run hot with the putter that week and hot with the wedges so you can see both sides of the coin when it comes to your super long shots and then your overall favorites and maybe it's because of the field type and the type of players that this particular event actually attracts um so that it's that middle range where nothing really comes through um and i thought that was just really interesting so with the card this week i'm guessing it's going to be like 
three guys less than 35 to one and then four or five bombs from 100 to one and beyond and we're going to try to see if we can figure out who those guys are going to be our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted something a bit more nutritious and filling in the morning rather than pounding my body full of carbs and feeling logy the entire day. But that's not been a problem since I started taking Athletic Greens. I have more energy. Uh, I'm feeling full throughout the course of the day, not going back and snacking. And just my energy level is so much higher. I'm getting my probiotics. I'm going to the can a ton. It's great. Feel great. Whole food source superfoods are included. 75 high quality vitamins and aptogens to help start my day right. It's been fantastic. I've been feeling a lot better throughout the course of the day. And people think green juice. It tastes like crap. Now, Athletic Greens doesn't. actually tastes pretty good. I even gave some to Paul. I gave some to my wife. And now I can give some to you. That's coming up in a second though. But it's a lifestyle friendly. Whether you're on keto or paleo or vegan or dairy free or gluten, it all works for you. Like you can take it no matter what diet that you're doing or what your health restrictions are. You can take take the athletic greens. Tons of people are taking some kind of multivitamins and it's important to choose which of the high quality ingredients your body is actually going to absorb. But with AG1 athletic greens, you get them all in one. You don't have to have like 8,000 pills laying around in a schedule for them. Just take athletic greens. You'll be good. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And the founder of Athletic Greens, he founded it when he was experiencing a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to, cut, to recover. It cost him $100 per day. This doesn't. $3 per day is all that it's going to take. Right now, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com mayo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, so let's jump over to the research in the model this week. Let's talk about, I don't know, let's find out who we're going to talk about. Kucher is one I had identified pretty early on that I still think possesses the proper skill set. But again, I, I don't know. I was hope, really hoping the odds would be out on a Sunday for this already because, uh, you know, I have a bunch of cash in my account now and I really want to go waste it. And they're not letting me get on top of it. I have money to waste and you don't want to take my money. That's not good. So here's the model this week. Uh, what I went with, I adjusted a little bit before I started the show. Uh, strokes gained approach 30% off the tee, 5%. Around the green, 10%. Because you do need to save yourself here with these smaller screens at Pebble, and you got to play it twice. Par 5s, 10%. 350 to 400-yard par 4s. There's a ton of them across all three courses. 10% opportunities gained, 5%. Proximity, 100 to 125, 10%. Proximity, 125 to 150 10%. Strokes game putting, 5%. Proximity from beyond 200 yards, 5%. And hopefully that can more than make up for the uh, the par fives and some of these longer approaches that guys are going to have to try to attack some of the easier par fives. So over the past 50 rounds, I you know I can't see it yet, but I'm guessing Cantlay, Burger, Spieth? Maybe Tom Hoagie, because he plays really well? Let's see. Cantlay, Power, Burger, Tringali, Mav McNeely, Bezadenhout, Chuck Hoffman, Tom Hoagie, Mito Pereira, Shez Reeby. Then you can see Zalatoris, Libiota, Joel Damon, Kyle Stanley, Captain Ramius, Chad Ramey. There he is. Uh, there's also the Taylor connection here. Let's let's find out. We had Nick Taylor win and Vaughn Taylor win. Does that mean we should be giving Taylor Pendrith or Taylor Moore some sort of look here this week? Maybe, maybe it's a last name Taylor. Maybe it's a first name Taylor. Where's Taylor Montgomery? Who knows? Maybe you should be playing this tournament. See, Nick Taylor, though, he still pops up. Still the top player in this field on par fours from 350 to 400 yards. It's kind of jarring to see. Taylor Moore is actually quite good at this. Let's bet Taylor Moore. Let's see if he's like 200 to one or something. How has Taylor Moore been playing? I know he was hot coming off the Corn Ferry Tour. Miscut at the Farmer, 67th at the Amex. Was top 10? Okay, top 10 at the RSM. It's a course that kind of fits a lot like this. Sanderson Farms, another shorter course, T17. I mean, man, if you can only play the Memorial Health on the Corn Ferry Tour every single year, the Rex Hospital event, then we'd be looking good. Maybe it's more of like a top 10. Maybe we go with Taylor. We play the Moore connection. We play the fact that he's actually pretty good on these shorter par fours, and we have seen some spike performances from him on some of the shorter courses. 
do we want to narrow the gap a little bit? Because let's just see who the top players on these short par fours are. Nick Taylor, Chase Seifert, Mav McNeely. Okay, how was Seifert a year ago at this course? I know that's, again, that's Roz's boy. So let's see here. AT&T, missed the cut, T50. How was he at that Valero tournament? He was T44 last year. At least he made the cut. So things are not looking promising for old Chase Seifert. Who else is up there? Kucher, top five. <laughs> Good enough for me. Uh, Damon, power, oh, badly. This isn't an alternate event, so watch out for him. Brian Stewart, when we get to the POA splits in terms of putting, you'll see Brian Stewart's name up there a lot. Kadira, Tringali, Cantley, Joshua Creel. Creel is a good word. If you're ever wondering in doing the New York Times crossword, what a word is for what fishermen or anglers put their fish into. What's the basket called? It is called a creel. That is the five-letter word that you are looking for to fill out that answer. Mackenzie Hughes is up here. I mean, Mac Hughes kind of fits the mold of the guy that we would want here. If we like players like Spieth, why not take discount Spieth? Maybe he could be a look, too. And he he actually won at the RSM in the past. You know, he hits his wedge as well. He gets out with his putter. That's what we're looking for when it comes down to it. Very good around the greens as well. You can see that, like, I mean, his proximity from in close is not great, uh, unlike Burgers, which is really good. But it's not like all of the shots are coming from there. We can take a look at the course breakdown for Pebble Beach and take a look at the average shot distribution. You can see, unlike most courses, that's why I really weight these ones up here. Lucas Glover at the John Deere actually isn't a terrible comp because you're going to see a lot of those the John Deere Classic as well. You'd really think that Ryan Moore would have played better uh, at this tournament over the years. But you can see 100 to 125, 22.2%, 16%. That's a lot. Uh, far more than almost any other course on the PGA Tour when we're looking at it. Hadwin's still up there. Rose is up there. Oh, Martin Trainer on these short par fours. Uh, maybe he can like drive them all. Who knows? When we're looking at proximity. And again, this is the longer form past 50 rounds. You can sort it by any ones that you really want. Maybe we can dig into that in a sec. Uh, from 100 to 125 yards, Hoagie, Streelman, Knee, Smiths, the Knights who say Knee, Smith, Hoffman, Bezadenhout, Malnati, Cameron Percy, Tringali, Brandon Harkins. There he is. I bet you his numbers come from like, there, I saw Tom Lehman in here. His numbers go back to like 2008 or something like that. Yeah, for Harkins, we're looking at the 2019 Amex when we're talking about his past 50 rounds. But at least, you know, historically, he's hit the ball well from that range and he is coming off a win in the performances at this Bezaden Oh my God. Two in strokes game putting, first from 125 to 155. Oh God, it's another stupid Cbez week. That's not going to go well. Uh, his off the tee is trash, but that doesn't mean as much here, as long as he can just keep it in the fairway. He doesn't have to hit driver. Uh, so don't mind that. Oh, Grayson Sig. Here we go. Smother man. Should have, I mean, Jude gave, Jude Deloitte gave him to me at the Amex. So I put Smotherman top 20. I put him in my DraftKings lineups. He was shit. And then I didn't put him back in a week ago, and he was really good. So, you know, that sucks. So, uh, oh, Austin Eckrat. Maybe this is finally the week we can get something out of him. So the best guys from basically 100 to 125, when we consider both areas, Hoffman and Neesmith are both pretty good. Bezadenhout's elite. Percy's elite. Knox is elite. Eckrat, Eckrote, whatever. He's elite. Kadira is elite. Anyone else up here? Jimmy Walker coming off a nice finish. He's pretty good. Kyle Stanley, pretty good. Obviously, we know that Jimmy Walker has won this event before. Max McGreevy, another player who is up there. Only 23 rounds of data, but this is sort of his key range. And you have, oh, 4chan Kim. There we go. Uh, he's you know, top 40 in both those numbers. Uh, Damon is top 30 in both. Where the hell is Cantlay at? Cantlay. No, he's outside the top 45 in both these, although everywhere else he's an absolute stud, so that makes a lot of sense. Where's old Spieth these days? Spieth, awful from 100 to 125. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll do my bit on Spieth towards the end. Let's just run it uh, for past 24 rounds and see what we come up with here and see if it gives us a little bit of a different number. We can run the rolling report as well. Uh, you can find that in sample size under rolling report if you're ever curious and want just want to get a ranking perspective of past four through 100 rounds. See if people are trending upwards, people are trending downwards. Uh, Zalatoris is actually the best in this category as of now. Hoagie Rose Burger Percy. Trust me, as someone who bets Cameron Percy, like first round leader a lot, um, this 135 in putting 
sorry, that's Berger. Uh, sorry, 110 in putting. That actually feels like an improvement for him uh, in a lot of this stuff. Uh, you'll figure that out real quickly when he starts missing four footers for birdie. You're like, oh my God. And it's gotten worse recently. His past five events, he's averaging almost two strokes lost on the green per event. And that's with gaining two at the Sony. Good God, man. Like This is a bad stretch. Honda through the Travelers last year. Oh. Minus 3.5, minus 4, minus 3.1, minus 3. And he's missing the cut in most of these. Oh, dear God. But the approach is really good, though. Maybe he can Luke list himself into something. Hire a putting coach, and all of a sudden he can find himself in the winner's circle. Who knows? Tringali and Bazadenhout continue to go up. Mark Hubba Hubbard. Got a tat. Got to text his brother to figure out if this is really a great tournament for him or not. We can go look at his course history. But uh, I actually did the research on this and made you know, for the newsletter when it has some of the information in it. I looked at the best POA putters uh, per round um, with at least 10 rounds of putting on POA over the past three years. And uh, Mark Hubba Hubbard comes out inside the top 10 in that number. We know he's a good putter. Apparently, this is his preferred putting surface, uh, that and bent. So yeah, you can see it. It's reflected in his putting numbers right there. He has putted he putted poorly at the Farmers last week. He was the last man in the field after WD when Charlie Hoffman ended up withdrawing. Let's see how he's played at the AT&T. Not well. You'd figure this would be a good tournament for him, to tell you the God's honest truth. I might have to go to him here, though, because I feel like he lights up birdie fests um and we'll figure out how that goes yeah i mean he's not bad he's top 50 over the past 24 rounds in the key approach ranges uh in the beyond 200 he's actually quite good in that too so i guess that's why he comes out as number eight in the model cantley knox sheamus harkins is still number 24 mav von taylor oh good i mean he has one here so david hearn mito nito mito uh putnam is a player i really like this week uh, as you can see, Putnam is starting to round back into Putnam form. Uh, he's kind of like low rent Matt Kuchar is the way that I would describe Andrew Putnam. Uh, at least that's always the vibes that I got from 27th at Sony, 14th at the Amex. He's, you know, the driving is not good, but again, that's not the end of the world here. Approach around the green putting and you know, he's gained in all three in each of his past two events. We'll see how he's played here. And he's made the cut in his past two turns. Hasn't been great, but you know, this isn't somewhere where I can guys can pop put it that way at this tournament if you continue with your hot putting weeks putts really well on poa as well he's another one uh that we can see kind of going forward uh 10th in opportunities gained despite not being great from 100 to 125 top 10 and 125 to 150 so let's take another look at the 300 350 to 400 like if i was building a like mixed condition model this week. I'd probably want to look at 300 to 350 to 400 yard par four par four scoring over like the past hundred rounds. Cause obviously when you're dealing like not that many courses have holes from this week. Some have a bunch of, some of them have none essentially. So you kind of have to pick and choose. So the data that you're getting might not always be the best. It might be very temperamental if they played an easy course versus a hard course, at least over the past 100 rounds, you can kind of filter out. You should basically get a good mix of hard, versus easy and with different looks at different holes of that length rather than past 24 rounds like where are these ones coming from i don't know let's see uh farmers amex sony like he was bad at the rsm he was bad at the sony on holes from the of holes from this range at mayakoba bermuda and the shriners the swing season he was really bad but he was really good at the 3m i bet you he was really good in houston too the week where he almost won so uh, it can be kind of picky and choosy when you come down to that. If you go past 100 rounds, you're looking a lot better. But, you know, we're still just trying to find names that pop out to us. So Trainer keeps popping up. I still don't love him because he is still ranked second in putting based off, like, one really good performance. Zalatoris, Ben Crane, Alonto, Matthews, Kuchar, Seifert, Nick Taylor, Cantlay. So at least we're getting into Taylor Moore. Continues to go up that list. Cameron Champ is now up there as well. Kadira, again, Lipsky. I thought Aaron Rye. Uh, would actually be up there too because i actually had interest in rye i think this tournament weirdly is better for him because uh, he's going to hit like every fairway and very good with the opportunities game not great from the key ranges he's a very poor putter as we ended up seeing and the, uh, listen man the pressure got to him on saturday his first like real appearance but this guy is a two-time dp world tour winner uh although that nick faldo couldn't figure out who he lost to or who he beat in the playoff at the scottish open he I feel like he kept saying Ian Poulter, although the answer to that question is Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, either way, 
And he's a he's a classier player in terms of talent than I think that people realize because the first exposure many got to Aaron Rye was last week. Like most people had never heard of him. Cust asked me who who this guy was. I was like, oh man, that's Aaron Rye. That's why people need to tune into the DP World Tour Picks and Bet Show with Skylar Hope and Tom Jacobs Monday evenings on Mayo Media Network. And they've been pretty hot. They did not have Big Dick Vic this week, but they did have Thomas Peters a week ago. Jeff and I fucked that up, by the way. The the corollary event was actually this week's event, which would be now Vic for the Masters, not last week. But we got that Thomas Peters money in already, so let's go. Peters actually played well outside of the third round last week in Dubai. He was five over. He went from six over to one over. Then he was five under on the final round to get himself back to six under. So he finished inside the top 20 once again, coming off a win. And I've seen him play well at the Masters in the past. Zalatoris at the Masters He's going to be a really popular ad after this week, and it's really hard not to like him there. That just gets, The way that he struck the ball on Friday's round was just so immaculate, and the shot shapes that you saw, you're like, man, those are Augusta shot shapes, especially on those long par fives. It feels like he is going to dominate the par fives at Augusta National for like the next 20 years based on the way that he strikes the ball, and he's only getting better. He's only getting longer off the tee. He's only putting weight on. I mean, I didn't need to hear that he added an inch to his driver like every third drive that he had either way it was nice information to know in case you missed it but the kind of torque that he puts in we, we forget that he injured himself at the open championship last year maybe that's why he was garbage coming down the stretch who knows Key proximity ranges from this time period hoagie hollywood hoagie landry davis riley okay streelman david hearn damon we got jimmy walker up there again smother man Eckrote. Zayden Houghton, Neesmith, the Sigmund. It's funny because Jason Day is not popping up on any of these. <laughs> uh, I guess he would pop up on the 125 to 150, but uh, it, it, you could just bet Rose and Day this week and probably feel pretty good about yourself self, based on their history at this event, uh, based on what they did last week. It seems like they're returning to form. Curious to know what their odds are going to be because they're going to be overvalued, but they're not going to be higher than the guys at the very top of the board here. Uh, in terms of, like the Cantleys and Burgers, so maybe you can catch a pretty decent number. Ek, man, Ekrat's just popping up everywhere. Don't know how I feel about that. Oh, T Dunks! Feel like he had a run a few weeks back. Smalley, Ryan Almal, Ryan Almal at any sort of wedge fest is where you want. Oh God, go good. Grayson's in the field. Maybe Kevin Al can lip him again. Fuck you, Grayson. Uh, Kadira, Harkins, Bramlett once again. Maybe this is a maybe this is one for Bramlett after he. He ended up rallying to make the cut a week ago. That's good news. He played well at the easier course. That's good news because these are all easy courses. The man of many question marks, Johnny. Uh-huh. He'll be off Bramlett this week. They're off the Bram wagon after jumping on for one week only. Putnam is up here as well. McGreevy again. Lee Hodges. We just saw him in the final group at the American Express. Jimmy Walker ended up coming. Oh, he must have had a really terrible day, man. It's all. I want to take a look at his splits from the Farmers. In terms of, no, I want to look at proximity gain. Where is old proximity gained? And take a look at Jimmy Walker. He was still good from that one range. Not a huge disaster from, in, from like, super in close. All right. Not terrible. Not the end of the world for old Jimmy Jim. Uh, oh, there's Martin Trainer again. All right, so we've taken a look at that uh, in terms of the actual modeling for the week. Let's jump over and try to just look at some very specific type stuff. And I don't want to go too deep into it, but I want to take a look at 2022, 2021, 2020, and 2019. So we'll, we'll factor off the last three seasons and try to look at what we have in terms of... Uh, just this course in particular. So let's take a look at less than 7,200-yard courses. So the course-specific numbers that we want to look at. Uh, strokes gained total over that time. Uh, Cantley, Burger, Power, Hoagie, Day, Mav, Tringali, Hoffman, Sink, Mac Hughes, Rose, Spawn, Ohio, Denny, McCarthy, Johnny, uh-huh, and Ekrat. That's what I was going to look at. I was going to look at his numbers. Let's see here. Miscut, 22nd. 35th, 16th. I mean, the guy's going to be a player. We, we all kind of really feel that. I don't know if this is going to be the spot for him or not, but again, it'll all depend on his odds. Ryan Palmer is an interesting one because he's going to rate out really well this week, especially coming off a good week at Torrey. He's been like 
piss poor at this event over the years. I don't know what it is. Uh, you'd think that it would go pretty well for him, but it, it hasn't. Okay. And is what I'm looking for. Miscut, miscut. 41st, miscut, 32nd. That's AT&T National. That's not this event. Uh, miscut, 29th, 70th, miscut, miscut. Just he's never really had it here. There was one player I did want to highlight, though. Um, and we'll see him when he pops up here. Old Nick Watney. Not going well for him. He does have a second at this tournament. Obviously, he's not prime Watney. But it does feel like the things that he does well, putting on POA, uh, he could somewhat make a run here. I think that I'm going to play him as like a top 20 this week, maybe as a very low guy in a lineup, just because I, I think he's got the feels for this course. That's a gut play from your boy, Pat Mayo, as Nick Watney. Uh, maybe he can be the new Bo Van Pelt from Palmetto last year, Nick Watney. Uh, so those are all the top guys. You can see like Day is up there. All the guys that you would expect, uh, Bezayden Hout, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Matt Kuchar, all inside the top 25. And you also have Cameron Champ, who I guess plays well at these shorter courses. Uh, we see Tita Green numbers. You got Burger Cantley, Palmer Svensson, Chris Kirk. Anyone else make a precipitous jump here? You can just basically tell by the putting numbers. Stanley makes a huge jump. Knox and Hum make a huge jump. Paul Baljean. Ends up making a pretty big jump. Shez Reeve, Novak, Harkins, Ryan Moore. It's okay. So we have that. That's just from the past three years on courses of less than 7,200 yards. Let's take that out. And now let's go to Poa. Poana Greens. Two for two in pronouncing it properly. It just looks so weird when you look at it, look at it spelled out that there's no way that it could be pronounced like that when you merge the words together. But hey, here we are. So I was talking about a little bit average on Poa Greens, putting-wise. So you have Ramey at the top, but he only has three rounds over the past five years. Then you have Kuchar and McNeely uh, over a stroke per round on each of them since 2019 season started. That's pretty good. You have Mark Hubbard in 21 rounds. We can even go, we can even sort this by all rounds if we want, but we'll just take the past 24 um, because we have a cap on the year, so it's not going to go past 2019 for any of us. Like Tom Lehman only has one round. We put in all rounds. He has like 5,000 or something like that because it's going to go back to like 1950 or something. Uh, Blixt is shockingly up there. So is Wyndham Clark and Bryce Garnett and TPJ, Ted Potter Jr. Stumanji, Brian Stewart, Andrew Putnam, all above 0.5. If we go look at who the worst are, Joshua Creel, that's only one round. Uh, Molinex, Garrigus, Svensson all have more than 12 rounds. Harkins, oh no. And Grayson Murray are also down at more than a stroke per round loss. Taylor Moore only has the one round. You know, I'll give him a pass on that one. Oh, Matthias Schwab is playing too. Good for him. Uh, Bo Van Pelt, there's my guy. 14 rounds. He's been pretty brutal. Uh, Damon Haas. Trying to find the guys that you might consider betting. There's Killa Keith, McCumber, Stanley. Uh, they're all pretty terrible. Warinsky's been really bad. So his champ. But I think a lot of that has to do with what he did last week, <laughs> to tell you the truth. There's Bramlett. He has not been good. The Burgoonies. Hey, you guys. Not great. And then we're down to like 0.3 per round. That stuff can flip. The Zayden Hout's worst putting surface has been POA over the years. So if we look at POA and we look at... What else do we want to look at here? We can click off POA. Oh, another thing that you can look at too, just to kind of weight the rounds a little bit, is you can look at rounds gained. I don't normally click on that, but this can give us a different option because that just proves consistency because just you know, maybe someday someone just buried, dummied the field in putting. Uh, so you'll see Matt Kuchar in his past 24 rounds on POA putting surfaces. He has gained against the field 88% of the time. Wyndham Clark, 80% of the time. Brant Snedeker, 80% of the time. Putman, 75. Uh, and that's only seven rounds for Brett Druitt, but he's at 75. Mav is at 71%. So is Jason Day. Uh, Seifert's up there. Berger's up there. Stewart's up there at 66%. You have, let's see, where is it? Snedeker at almost 80% along with Wyndham Clark. So that, that's a different way that you can sort the numbers to see how they're actually doing against each of the fields. And you know, that shows a bit of consistency. How do they do that day against everyone else? Were they in the top half? Were they in the bottom half? That is all that this is telling us. Putnam's making the short list for me this week. Putnam, Cooch, Taylor Moore. Again, I'm going to need the numbers on these guys, but those are kind of the three that have kind of hopped off the page to me already. McGreevy, oh, one for one, 100%. We'll see what he's at, McGreevy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm guessing that like Moore and... Actually, Moore's been overvalued in the 
markets. I'm hoping we can catch like at least an 80 on Putnam and Kuchar, hopefully a hundred. Then you get McGreevy at like 200, 250, uh, maybe Taylor Moore at 200. Not quite sure how the markets are actually going to have him this week. That's a bit of a different way that we can look at this. Uh, what else do we want to look at? So we can have just put in less than 200 or less than 7,200 yards. Let's just see you strokes and approach who is the best over the past 24 rounds. Burger Knox, Stanley, Sink, Svensson, Tringali. Let's go to all rounds. All rounds since 2019. Give us a more macro view of what's going on with some of these numbers and see if there's anything that they can tell us. Uh, on and again, this is less than 7,200 yard courses. Stanley Glover Knox. I'm throwing Glover onto that short list as well. I'm guessing he's going to be like 60, 75 to one somewhere in there. Streelman keeps popping out. Has Streelman played yet this year? Did he play last week? He did play last week. He was T39 last week and he played at the Amex. Okay. He was actually pretty good at the South course last week for someone who just primarily hits a lot of fairways. You know, he does his best work at these shorter courses. Wyndham, he played well at the PGA Championship, mind you. Young gun, Kevin Streelman, according to Tim Andrikas. Just not thinking about that he's 40 years old, but you know, AT&T Pro-Am, pretty good. Made the cut at the Heritage, made the cut at the Honda. Those are both shorter end courses. Okay, okay, we can get behind that. We can get something to work with. At least. Oh, good. Ryan Moore is up there. Let's put him on, like, the auto-ban list. Doc Redman. We had a Doc Redman sighting last week. I don't know how that happened. 25th at the Farmers. The approach was back at the South Course. I don't know where that came from. Don't know how that's working for him. Short courses, Palmetto, Byron Nelson, Bermuda. Missed the cut at the Farmers. Did not play this event a year ago. Third at the Wyndham. Third at the Fortnite. So, okay. I mean, historically, this is the type of course where he has played pretty well. So, I mean, maybe we can get behind. There's Putnam. He's still inside the top 20 in strokes gained approach. Uh, Hoagie, Palmer, Damon, Sink, Sig. All right. Sig, shortlist, Sig. Okay. You force, force my hand on that one. Dylon, woo! Okay. Can take a look at him. So, I think we've done enough here. Seabez, it's all going to depend on Seabez's odds, I think. Uh, I was pretty high on him. I bet him at the Amex and at Sony because I thought that he fit those courses well. I think that he fits this course well. In 17th, 40th, he just really hasn't had that putting week that we're looking for in terms of winning us a tournament. You know, 6.5, 4.9, 7.2. Like, he has these huge putting performances. We just have not seen those so far. Any of his past four starts... Yeah, past four starts. We just haven't seen, you know, the five strokes game putting. If we can get that this week, maybe going back to Cebes isn't the craziest idea in the world. Uh, again, this is all going to be price dependent. If he's 25 to one, I'm not betting Christian Bezaden out. If he's 55 to one, probably going to bet Christian Bezaden out. It's funny how all that ends up working out. But it's time for us to guess the odds. I was hoping um, you're, you're going to be able to fact check me on this one pretty quickly. I think. So let's try to think through. We, we know who the top guys in the field are. I'm going to write them out on the sheet in front of me here. So you got Berger, the defending champion, Mr. Strokes Gained Approach coming into this tournament, and Cantlay. Those are going to be your two favorites. Then you got Will Zalatoris and Spieth, along with Day and Rose. Power is going to be up there. Kisner is probably going to be up there. McNeely most definitely is going to have overinflated odds, probably for good reason this week as well. Sebez uh, Tringali is likely to be high coming off a pretty good week. I'm guessing that's going to be it. Expect Brant Snedeker's odds just not to make any sense whatsoever, just because it's Pebble Beach and he's been building a little bit of buzz, although he missed the cut at Torrey. Uh, Fitzpatrick should be pretty high on that list. And Min Woo Lee uh, will be up there too, uh, although it is Fitz's first start of the season. So I'm trying to think back to last year. I think Cantley ended up be going off as the betting favorite after DJ withdrew. I'm going to say Cantley 10 to 1. So I don't think he has the, I don't know if he has the respect yet to breach that 10 to one barrier. Although in a field like this, maybe he can do it. So can't lay it 10 to one burger at 12 to one Spieth 14 or 16. I'll say 16. Will Zalatoris 16. I'm going to say day 22 Rose 22 power 25 Kisner 35 McNeely 28 Tringali 28 Fitz 25 
Min Woo, because Americans don't know who he is, 40 to 1. So that would leave the top of the betting board, at least in terms of my guess of what the books are going to open at. And again, we've seen this week after week. Do not hop on any of these top numbers when the odds get released. Give yourself 12 hours because they've all fallen throughout the course of the week outside of like one or two guys if you know it's the the, listen if mad mcneely opens at 45 he's going to be 25 within two hours because everyone is going to bet him but if he opens at 28 you might end up with a 33 by the end of the week kind of thing it it all depends on where that opening market is and it seems like the books don't want to get taken early with a bad number so they're just going to give you the worst numbers possible Sunday night, Monday morning, whenever they decide to release it, and by Tuesday morning or Monday evening, the numbers are going to look a whole lot better. But right now, Cantley, 10 to 1 is my guess. Berger, 12 to 1. They're the two favorites. The next tier down is going to be Spieth and Will Zalatoris, 16 and 16. I'm going to say that Day and Rose are both 22 to 1. Power and Matthew Fitzpatrick, 25 to 1. McNeely and Tringali, 28 to 1. Seamus Power, or sorry, Kevin Kisner, 35 to 1. Min, woo, Lee, 40 to 1. That might be even overvaluing Min Wooly. We might be able to catch like a 50 or 55. I don't even know if I like that for him, to be perfectly honest with you. But I really don't know whether or not his name actually carries weight in the American betting markets as some of these other guys do. These are not the numbers that I would want to bet these guys at or the numbers where I think that they finish. I think that these are the numbers that they are going to open at on DraftKings Sportsbook. If you use code DOP at DraftKings Sportsbook, by the way, you get like a bunch of benefits if you don't have DraftKings Sportsbook yet. So I highly recommend that you use code DOP for our friends on the number one UFC betting show around the Dogger Pass podcast, which returns this week. Although we had Bellator picks last week just from Cody, Paul and Cody will return this week for the UFC betting show as well. That will do it for me. Join FantasyNational.com. You can see how you can manipulate all the stats, research whatever you want. You can generate lineups, use the simulator, have ownership projections, all for DraftKings. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo is where you can do that. Smash the like button to the video and hit me with your early leans down in the comment section. Sub to Mayo Media Network and the newsletter while you're at it too. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.